0: All righty, let's get started. <laughs> Acts chapter 20, where we find ourselves this morning. We pick up verse by verse, chapter by chapter, going through the New Testament, seeing how Christianity went from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. Here in Acts chapter 20, let's ask the Lord for his blessing. Heavenly Father, we, we just know we need your help. We, we love your word. Uh, sometimes, uh, Lord, uh, we read it. Uh, we just, we lack clarity. We, we are not focused. Uh, but we pray, God, that, that by your spirit, you would increase our faith and focus our thoughts and help us to listen to that still, small voice and be blessed by putting these truths into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, some may not like to admit this, but sometimes we can get a little bored in church. (laughs) It happens, even to pastors. (laughs) We get a little drowsy if the conditions are right, right? I mean, try as you might to fight it off. The room gets warm. You didn't sleep well the night before. Uh, The pastor's dealing with a long list of names in Numbers chapter 1. And before you know it, one thing (laughs) leads to another. Now, obviously, this didn't happen at The Rock. Do you know why? He's too dressed up. (laughs) Not to say occasionally we do dress up. Uh, But the other reason I know that it's not our fellowship is the look on the faces. They don't seem very happy, right? We have kind of a happy church there. I was wondering what the pastor might be preaching about. (laughs) Tithing. (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) adults aren't the only ones who struggle with getting sleepy in church. Their kids do. Oh... I better stop that because they're contagious, right? You know, or, and did you know that the messages get piped back into the nursery? <laughs> That's nothing. On and on that pastor goes. Oh, my. Well, then we've got a picture from the parking lot. There was a dog out there. <laughs> I want him, just, I just want to adopt him. And uh, you know, we had a special visitor, I don't know if you were aware. Oh, oh. All right, moving on. Oh, we all, I mean, we do our part to help that not to happen. Um, I told you what somebody brought to me uh, a tea bag that we were serving at break and a sleepy time tea. I was like, please, no, that, that's wrong. So we threw all of that out. Um, but there still might be some back there. And I'll be looking for evidence this morning on your face as Well, uh, we all get sweepy. Yes, we do, as long as it's not behind the wheel on that long stretch of I-5. Yeah, amen? Yes. Windows down, radio up, uh, snap in the gum right uh, but it may cause embarrassment but at least it's not dangerous unless of course you're perched high in a third story open window listening to a preacher in an evening service go on and on and on then staying away could be a matter of life and death verse 7 ready on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. <laughs> When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. And after talking until daylight, (laughs) wow, he left. Verse 12, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Well, that's gonna serve as our portion of the scriptures uh, from which we will reflect this morning. Uh, maybe a good title for this message would be Bored to Death. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a, such a famous story, and it certainly is uh, entertaining uh, and, and, and kind of funny, Right? Why, because uh, it has a happy ending. Now, if it didn't have a happy ending, uh, no, we would be responding in a different sort of way. I think we all know what it feels like to have Mr. Sandman come when we don't want him to be there. You know, I remember kind of an embarrassing moment. Uh, I don't know if you remember it, Barb, with uh, Grandma B, your, your grandma, uh, when she was, she lived to be 96, the godly, godly woman. A church planter with her husband back in the days, 40s and the 50s, just a beautiful woman. She invited us up to her trailer up in Clear Lake after church on a Sunday. Now those were the days when I was supplementing my income as a young minister by throwing papers in the morning, that would be the press Democrat. That meant 3.30, 4 o'clock especially on a Sunday. So I've been up since three, threw my papers, served in the church, drove up to Clear Lake and had a meal, a big meal. And it was warm in the trailer. How warm? 103, at least. You know how it gets, right? And so we're sitting there. And Grandma B wanted to take out her cherished photo album. She sat me down on the couch. Roth had been wanting to show you these pictures of starting churches and my great-grandfather and all of that. And and as she did that, she opened up, and it was the 1800s (laughs) to begin with. So I knew this was going to be a long afternoon. And then Mr. Sandman was on me like ugly on a toad. (laughs) <laughs> oh my word. It was this and it was uh, this and it was this. And I'm just like, oh, I've got a spasm in my neck. And oh grandma and grandma goes, Oh, don't you find these interesting? I just like, oh grandma, no, you know, I got up early. And then she realized, and then she pointed out the guest room, and she led me to the guest room and she said, You need to just have a little nap. And I was so happy. Oh, I was so relieved. Grandma was so gracious. But we know what that feeling is like, uh, especially in church sometimes. Eutychus is feeling sleepy in church, but what happens next becomes one of the most famous incidents in the Bible. And I'm glad for the happy ending. So what about the context? Where are we in all of this? Well, the missionary team have met up in Troas, all right? Uh, Troas is in North Western, modern-day Turkey on the coast. And so now, wow, Paul is, must be very happy to have Titus and Luke and Timothy all together. And they're going to be leaving Monday morning to be headed eventually to Jerusalem. Later in the text, we find out where they're going, uh, but not until Sunday night service. So they're in the Sunday night service with plans to leave Monday morning for the mission to go forward. Now, the first thing we see, and there are several things that we're gonna learn about uh, this morning with this small paragraph, so let's walk through. The first thing is we we learn a little bit about early Christians conducting services, and we've been seeing that all through the book of Acts. Indirectly, we're seeing them meeting in big buildings, we're seeing them meeting in homes, and, and we take our cues from how the early church got planted. We see elders and deacons and offerings taken, and what do we see here? We learn for the very first time officially, though we've seen it happening, the church is meeting, the Christian church is meeting on Sunday for the very first time we see on the first day of the week. Your text says we came together to break bread. When it says break bread there, there's the idea of a fellowship meal. Which was a part was which it was called the love feast, the agape meal, and a part of that was what we would call the Lord's supper, and so we see them getting together on a Sunday, not on a Saturday, uh, like the Jewish tradition was, and so we see uh, not only here but in First Corinthians chapter sixteen, they were gathering on the first day of the week, it was Sunday, not Saturday, now. Why suddenly was the first day of the week called the Lord's Day, as John did when he had his vision about the end of the world? He said this vision happened on Sunday, the Lord's Day. It's called the Lord's Day because of the resurrection. It happened on a Sunday. And not only did the crux and core and the major doctrine of Christianity, the resurrection from the dead and the new life Christ gives us, happen on a Sunday, to make it the Lord's day, to make it the day that all Christians meet and gather, but also the second Sunday service. The second time the Lord appears, it's a Sunday night service again, you see in the Gospels. And did you realize that the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost? The church was born on a Sunday. If you do the math from Leviticus chapter 23 where it talks about the holidays, the Jewish holy days, you will find that Pentecost must always fall on a Sunday. So there you have it again. And so we see the evidence, here we go, the Christians have moved from the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday and said that uh, now Sunday would be the regular kind of day. Uh, And and to be honest with you, uh, actually they met a lot of the days. (laughs) Uh, Acts chapter two said they would meet for worship every day. So, you know, but we do see the first day is being singled out on Sundays, and they are going to have the fellowship meal, as you would see in Acts chapter two and verse 42. And so we see that's kind of uh, the setting, and we see what how they met to worship the Lord. Now we learn about the setting for the fall. Some things go into to make this thing happen. So we get some insights on what led up to the tumble. Now, first of all, Paul's going on and on. It's hard to believe that a pastor would do that. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> to just go on and on. Uh, but at least Paul has a reason. And his reason is this. He's not going to see these people again. This is his last shot at them. Oh, no, you can't order the CD. You can't, hey, I'll send you something in the mail. You know, there's no internet. There's no iPhones. There's nothing. You're gone. You're gone. That's it. I'll never see you again. His one opportunity, a golden moment. Here are these Christians. They gather, and he's looking at their faces, and you know what's going through his head? Think about that. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, first and second Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and even some say the book of Hebrews. Can you imagine? Can you imagine all the truths found in just Romans? and you've got these group of Christians that don't know hardly anything, and you're the Apostle Paul and God's giving you all of this, you wanna download it. You only have one night to do it in. So he's going on and on and on. Now, what makes a sermon long? Well, time, sometimes. <laughs> uh, and true, you know, sermons need to be sensitive pastors need to be sensitive to, especially in the West. In the West, in America, we're more looking at the clock. Now, I've been to other countries where I keep looking at the clock and they are confused by that. Uh, we go until we're done, uh, you know, but the culture's different. There, I don't think there's a right or wrong. So what makes a sermon long, I think, first of all, is what's going on in the person's heart. Because sometimes a sermon that is goes by really quickly and is life-changing for one person, 10 minutes into, into it for another person, it's painful and it's endured. So it's endured. had to be endured. So a lot of elements go into a, a, a pastor going long or what's considered long. The average length of an American sermon, it, you will find it to be 30 to 40 minutes long now it depends it depends on so many things it depends on the on the on the location it depends on the part of the country it depends on your denomination higher church shorter sermons generally speaking they're called lectionary sermons where there's a reading and then a devotional but not like we're going to sit down and go through the whole chapter like evangelical churches uh, tend to do. It really, you know, it kind of depends on the pastor, his personality, his ability. It depends on the congregation and, and what the church emphasizes. Different churches have different emphases. Right? So you go to one church and, and the pulpit isn't really an emphasis. You go to a Calvary Chapel and the pulpit is an, is an emphasis. So you're going to get a, a, a teacher uh, who will rightly divide the word of truth and sometimes that takes a little bit of time. My professor of preaching told me, if you're gonna go longer than 30 minutes, you better have something worthwhile saying to be said. Amen? Yeah, amen, hello. (laughs) What are you all staring at me for? (laughs) Uh, Here's a nice little uh, quote, and then we'll move on, get to this fun story. There's something to be said, one commentator wrote, about respecting time constraints and the sensitivities of your listeners. But when there's calling and diligent study and prayer, an accurate exposition of the word of God, when both speaker and teacher are being guided by the Holy Spirit, the work of God in the midst renders the clock less and less significant. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I'm glad to hear an amen there. (laughs) All righty. So here we have this setting. Now, Now, by the way, it tells you many lamps were burning that night. That's not to let you know you know, about the decor. That's to let you know that the smoke in the room, the the heavy fumes from all the lamps and that oil burning was just, it was just getting a little hard to breathe and Eutychus was a smart young man. He went to the open window and sat down where the only cool breeze available was there and that's what he did. It was midnight, your text says, he's been talking He's already covered justification, sanctification, consecration, propitiation. (laughs) And right about then it starts. You know how it starts. It just starts with a frown, right? (laughs) And then, then, not that I know from looking out there. (laughs) You know, one time I, I went home. And I said, Barb, you know, I don't mind people falling asleep. I really don't. They have lives. They work hard. They get up. In fact, one pastor and I were talking about this and said he found it comforting when somebody would feel peace. First of all, they made the effort to come out, right? They've worked hard. And there's something about a church setting, the, the comfort, the peace that, that allowed him to, to relax and to to fall asleep (laughs) and and so I have always been on that kind of page I just appreciate people actually coming to the church and uh you know I had a student here we go down bunny trails uh, I had a student at healed College. you always would be going down and I just watch him here we go here we go here we go boom (laughs) I went up to him and some other teacher made a crack about him said all he does is sleep and I went up to him. Matthew. Matthew, what's up, you're always sleeping. What about semicolons, colons and commas and apostrophes? Isn't the interest, <laughs> the best interest to you, you know, of great interest? And he said, oh, Mr. Ryman, he goes, I work two jobs. I work all night long, we have a little baby. I need extra money, so I'm taking these courses to better my life so that I can get a job. But I'm working so much that I just, I try so hard. I was like, dude, I'm bringing you a pillow. I said, I'm helping you through this. I said, I'll turn you on the side, but dude, just, just put your head down. Bring your banky. <laughs> and I'm down with that. So, yeah, I don't get it. I, you know, it happens. It happens, right? So it's about to happen here, but in a precarious situation. Now, nobody, now, now he starts doing the thing, right? Why doesn't somebody say, dude? It, you're gonna die. <laughs> Get out of the window, because everybody's wrapped up in Paul. Paul the apostle. He's talking about rising up from the dead, maybe. <laughs> oh, that would be really handy to have a, a object lesson. Uh, so he's, that's how I imagine it, you know? So he's talking, he's talking, everybody's looking at Paul. Nobody sees him doing the, this. Right, or they would have told him, get out of the window, man, you you, you know? And so there it goes, you know, it goes from justification (laughs) to sanctification. And then when he started with uh, propitiation, (smack) have you heard about the hypnic jerk? The hypnic jerk is not a guy who's mean. (laughs) The, (laughs) the, The hypnic jerk is what, right before some people fall asleep, they do a little thing. Like, uh, you know, you catch your balance or something. How many of you either do it or know someone next to you who does? (laughs) Uh, I, yeah, I'm guilty as charged. (laughs) You're just like that. It's like, well, you're drifting. You don't know where you're going, and you're suddenly, oh, well, that dude. That's what happened. He (laughs) overcorrected. He. He was going down, he's thinking, hey, this is the Apostle Paul, I can't be doing this and my mama's here and oh, I can't, uh, is that a propici. what? <laughs> boom. Head forward, over correction, backward, <laughs> out the window. No one knows until boom. What's that? <laughs> well, just Eutychus. <laughs> Oh my word, so we learn about the the accident now. There's a stampede, think about it. There is a stampede down three flights of stairs. Dr. Luke is there every time you hear we in Acts, you know that the writer is there. Luke is a beloved physician, Colossians chapter four, verse 14. He is a doctor, he's down there. He picks him up and says, dead. Now apparently, it was like the Princess Bride, mostly dead. (laughs) (laughs) I believe with all my heart the guy was dead. Luke is a doctor. He said he was picked up dead, period. The guy died. He didn't fall over in his chair, folks. He fell out a third-story window onto the courtyard. Bam, picked up dead. Can you imagine Paul? I just put myself in Paul's shoes. I'd be thinking, I killed him. (laughs) (laughs) I killed the guy with my sermon. (laughs) That's just not cool. All right. So he, he goes down there and very much like Elijah and Elisha, he throws himself on him. He's a mess. He's just like, let me know. And he ends up falling on him, you know? And he's praying, dear God, Lord Jesus. And suddenly there's flood, there's a what? Hey, don't be alarmed. Is he speaking by faith? Don't be alarmed. God's here. And the guy coughs or opens his eyes. He opens it up and probably cracks a joke. That was fun. <laughs> and so he's alive. So beautiful. Now, sweet application, isn't it? It's beautiful. Paul says, don't be alarmed. The Greek word there is used for the riot that happened in Thessalonica, an uproar of chaos and grief. Interestingly, it's the word tharubano in the Greek, which also is used where In Mark chapter five, when Jairus' daughter dies and the tumult outside, the chaos, the end of the world, this girl has died, she's gone, right? And he says, don't do that, don't be alarmed because in the Christian life, if we take this figuratively, we have a death and we have a savior, we have resurrection And if this is gonna stand for anything, it stands for the core of what the gospel's all about. That when we fall over and are picked up dead, and, and I'm sorry to have to be the one to say this, but that will happen to you. You're going to fall over and you will be picked up dead, unless you're alive at the coming of the Lord. And if you're alive at the time of the coming of the Lord, which is quite possible, because we're heading toward that time when a trumpet will sound and we shall be caught up and changed, our bodies changed, we'll not see death, but in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, we shall be changed from corruptible to incorruptible, from perishable to non-perishable. Just an awesome thought. But excluding rapture, the second coming, all of us, it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. 10 out of 10 of us, it has to happen. But the grace of God is this, that at, as you fall over and are picked up dead, somebody can say, don't be alarmed. They're alive in Christ. We just celebrated joyful celebration Patty's uh, memorial service yesterday and what did she ask for? She, She would say two words two words joyful celebration and that's what it was Ron was up there with Pastor Gary and they were playing old time gospel it was just a joyful celebration why? Why? She was picked up dead Don't be alarmed. She's Eutychus. Eutychus means fortunate, having God's favor. Fortunately, this is a, fortunately for her, the blood of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in her heart. She's alive. Oh yes, the body's here, waiting for that second coming to be reunited and changed and perfected and joined to her spirit body. That day's coming. But right now, she's in a spirit body that's not racked with pain and not racked with disease in the presence of the Lord. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh grave, your victory? No need to fall apart. There's life for those who believe. So we learn about this beautiful comfort we learn about the gospel, and I, I just love it. If Paul, we'll find out, of course, but if Paul was speaking about the resurrection, and, he, and I can just see him just say, our Lord Jesus, he said, if I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. Even if you die, yet shall you live. <laughs> <laughs> that would be just so awesome, because there are people sitting there going, oh, I wish that could be true. I want that to be true. I just can't imagine. How could you take something dead and make it alive? These thoughts were probably going on. I mean, resurrection's a big part of Paul's writings. And so I believe the Lord, in his wonderful providence and his wonderful humor, just says, you know what, Paul, talk about the resurrection. I got somebody here struggling with with really believing it, so I'm gonna use this, and he uses this. Who is ever going to doubt the power of God to raise the dead after that Sunday night service? There's no way. You're going to leave with no doubts whatsoever. And we thank God. My question before we take communion this morning, what kind of cry will go out when you're, I'm sorry, picked up dead? There'll be a cry. Will it be, don't be alarmed, dear life, in the presence of the Lord, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. Well, this person, we have great evidence. Always reading their Bible, talking about Jesus, had a life change, serving the ministry, whatever they do, right? Don't be alarmed. What, is what does Paul the Apostle say? We want you to know what will happen to believers who have died so that you will not grieve like people who have no hope. The only difference between a cry of don't be alarmed, they're alive, and a sinking feeling is reception of the message of Jesus Christ while one was breathing and living. That determines whether you are Eutychus, fortunate with God's favor, or not. Two destinations. One choice, choose this day that in that day to come, you will be fortunate because of the grace of God. Now, we're gonna remember the grace that enables us all to have hope that when that day comes calling for us, for me, for you, that we'll have hope and life and comfort for those we leave behind. And what was that? That was what we celebrate this morning. The Lord's Supper, as we call it. Even what they were doing that very evening. So they go upstairs, and this is the cool part, is that you guys, you can get ready to serve us. This is the cool part to me, they go upstairs after this guy was, was killed and then raised from the dead and they have a meal, of course, Christians, that's what we do, you know, hey, let's eat, all right. <laughs> so they eat and then they have the communion afterwards, so pay attention, they have communion, but they go on like nothing ever happened. And this is the point of Jesus' words about death for the believer. It's really not that big of a deal. Life goes on. God's plan goes forward. There's some tears. And depending on who goes and how they go and how they leave, uh, there's some sadness and grief. But for the Christian, it's no big deal. It's a transition from this to paradise as Jesus uses the word. That's the gospel. They just get going. Let's have something to eat. All right, so where was I? (laughs) He picks up and preaches until the sun starts shining. No no complaints, just one casualty, but no complaints. (laughs) All right, so the brothers are gonna serve you. We'll talk a little bit more about communion as you're served, but you'll get the bread in the cup. Hold it until we're all served, and then I will come back up, pray over each one. We'll take it. Then we'll sing a song and we'll be dismissed. All right? So brothers, why don't you serve us? Not a question about being good or bad. The biggest myth out there will be a good person. Saved people go to heaven. Unsaved people perish. Not about good and bad. It's about payment plan. Was the payment applied to your account? Are you eutychus? Are you Fortunate with God's favor because a payment has been made. So the Savior comes into the world as the God man to get to the cause of the death. A Savior has been born, Christ the Lord, he shall save his people from their sins because sin is the problem that needs to be paid for with death. So he says, I'm going to take care of the cause the root problem so there shall be no death because the problem that precipitates it has been dealt with. So he becomes sin. He who knew no sin became sin. The God man becomes the sin. He's the sponge for the evil of the world goes upon him and he dies the death it deserves. Now when I stand before God that payment through faith It's been applied to my account. I've been paid for. And it's nothing to do with, were you a good boy or a bad boy? I mean, there's faithfulness will be taken into consideration. Don't get me wrong. But to get through the doors, man, it's not about have you been naughty or nice. It's about payment. He's on the cross as the sin bearer. What does he do? He says a word that means it is finished. It is also an accounting term, which you would stamp on bills paid in full. That's why no cause for alarm. How, uh, why would I have to die if someone already died for my sins? He took my sins off of me. He paid for them in a death. Not with money or precious gems or gold or other perishable things, but the blood of God's son. I'm paid for. Therefore, since my sins have been paid for, the penalty is removed and I cannot die again because it's double jeopardy. It's already been paid. Let's say, I'm the guy who stands there who just used Jesus' name as a cuss word all his life, did nothing. Did not open his heart. He doesn't, he doesn't get the payment plan. He rejected it. He said, I'm good. I don't need your help. I'll pay on my own. So the Lord says, okay, pay up. The wages of sin is death. But the second death, the second death's the eternal separation. Something your second birth saves you from we look he says on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks and by the way when he gave thanks the greek word there is eucharisteo where we get the word eucharist which just means to give thanks (laughs) yeah we're giving thanks all right that's why we call it yes we are giving thanks it's the eucharisteo and the night he was betrayed he took takes the bread and says hey My broken body, always know this kind of love, your assurance, it's been paid for. Take it, it's inside of you, it's me, it's my love. Let's eat the bread. After supper he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant, there's a new arrangement between God and man no longer you're held to the law and when you break the law you've got to schlep in an animal and slaughter it confess your sins on that lamb and then by that blood there'll be temporary righteousness you'll be made right temporarily no more of that because I'm the lamb I'm the lamb he says this is my blood as it were He says, drink this and remember how safe you are, how clean you are. And if I paid it by my blood, man, nothing's going to come between me and you on that day because my check is good. That payment went through. And you know how you know the payment went through? Three days later, he rose up. He rose up just like you will you will fall back and you will rise up because of this and this alone. Let's drink together. Praise God. I'm just going to say it again even though I've said it a lot of times. (laughs) Pastor Mm -hmm. Jay... Every time he'd take communion, he'd go, <laughs> and he, i go, What are you doing? And he goes, Squeaky clean, squeaky clean. <laughs> so if you want, you know, whatever. Okay, let's stand together on a serious note. <laughs> we are squeaky clean because of what he's done as so we confess our sins. Let's sing this song with joy filled hearts. Just want to close by talking to somebody who's not Eutychus, uh, somebody who's not familiar with the grace of God you're not fortunate because you don't have a relationship and uh, death pending and all you know you want to be so if you are not a Christian this isn't a call for uh, backsliders to come back it is a call for those who have never known the Lord and today's your day you want to open your heart you want that new birth you want something to happen Jesus to come inside by his spirit change you so that you On that day, not just that day, but every day, you're very fortunate to have God as your Father, but especially fortunate on that day that awaits all of us to have the grace of God and the assurance of life. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. If you're here, you're not a Christian, you want to become one, just slip your hand up nice and high, and we'll just include you in the closing prayer. We'll just repeat a prayer together and get you started, headed in the right fortunate direction, safety. Anybody here as Christians are praying and just giving you a second to get the courage to raise up your hand and say, "I want to become a Christian." Anybody here this morning? Let's see. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your great and precious salvation, free to us but costly to Jesus. Help us to lay down our lives the same way you laid down your life and gave everything for us. It seems fitting that we should return the favor and lay down our lives for you. We thank you for your grace, your goodness, and that when we fall, you're there to catch us and break our fall, and raise us up so that all can know there's no reason for alarm. We're alive because of Christ. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. God bless you.